Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 13 as a winter storm bears down on Memphis. And while we're here in Memphis, the Grizzlies are out on the road, and uh, they've got one more game coming up. They will have played it on Sunday night against the Sacramento Kings. Then they come home for four. It was to be a three-game homestand, but then a four-game homestand as a date with Oklahoma City was added to the schedule because of the uh, six COVID postponements that the Grizzlies have already had in the first half of the NBA season. In today's show, we've got a very special friend of the program, good friend of mine, Bob Thornton, former assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies and other stops in the NBA and CBA. He gives us his take on what's going on with the Sacramento Kings and with the Memphis Grizzlies and tells us how he ended up in Australia. So we've got that. He's our friend of the program, of course, as per always. We'll tell you about that was the week that was and give you some Petey's points as well. Today's show is brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community, and their alumni include major college and NBA players. For more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them on Twitter at HoopCityBC, as they like to say. It's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. And this exciting announcement, uh, they have a spring league coming up and they are starting to take registrations. And because you are a valued listener of the Grizz Weekly Grind, they want to share a coupon code. Yes, you can save $55 off your registration for the Hoop City Basketball Club Spring League. All you have to do is use the coupon code PETE. P-E-T-E. Enter Pete in the coupon code box at checkout and you'll get $55 off your registration. And where can you go to register? You go to HoopCityBC.com. So Spring Basketball League uh, forming now and use the coupon code Pete and you'll get $55 off your registration. So Grizzlies, since we last visited a couple of games, one really good and one really, really frustrating uh, on Wednesday, February the 10th, the Grizzlies took on the Charlotte Hornets, set a franchise record with 23 three-point makes, and shot 47% in the process. So uh, not a huge volume, but high accuracy for the Grizzlies as they would go on to beat the Charlotte Hornets by a final of 130-114. to 114. Hornets at one point had a 10-point lead. Grizzlies would ultimately lead by as many as 23. The... Uh, issue here well Grizzlies forced 19 turnovers for 25 points the aforementioned 23 threes for the Grizzlies nine more than Charlotte made although Charlotte did shoot 55 percent from the floor got a big game from scary Terry Rozier finished with 34 he hit six of nine from beyond the arc but the Grizzlies had multiple guys with multiple threes Dylan Brooks had four Kyle Anderson setting a new career high in three-point makes Six of eight for Kyle in route to 28 points, second most productive outing of his NBA career and most productive in a regulation game. He had 28 earlier this year uh, on the road at Brooklyn, but of course that game went into overtime. All five Grizzly starters go for double figures. Desmond Bain, four of eight from downtown as he got the start. 
against the Charlotte Hornets. Grizzlies also got five triples from Grayson Allen and three from Tyus Jones. Tyus not known for his three-point marksmanship, but came up big in that game. Hornets actually led this game 38-34 after one quarter, but the Grizzlies dominated the middle quarters, outscoring Charlotte uh, 67-45. to And as I said, at one point, we'll would build a 23-point lead. That win got the Grizzlies to 500 at 10 and 10 and ended their losing streak, and everybody was feeling pretty good about themselves. And then the Grizzlies would go west to take on the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday. Lakers had won six in a row, but they had, by their own admission, been winning ugly against uh, some inferior competition, and the Grizzlies figured to give them more of a test. Well, the Grizzlies did. Off the jump, a 22-2 start. Yeah, you almost unbelievable. But a 22-2 start, you almost never see that. And um, Grizzlies led it 31-16 after one quarter. Stayed pretty even in the second quarter. Third quarter is when the roof fell in. Lakers outscoring the Grizzlies 41-23 in the third quarter. So many times during the telecast, Brevin Knight and I talk about stars being stars. This was certainly the case for the Lakers. LeBron James with 28 points, Anthony Davis with 35 points and 9 rebounds. James also had 9 rebounds and 8 assists and a couple of steals as well. Grizzlies were severely shorthanded in this game uh, because Desmond Bain was back in Indiana mourning the death of his grandmother, uh, a fine woman who raised Desmond, and so Desmond went back to be with his family, and we send our best wishes and our condolences to Desmond and his family as he uh, works through this loss, which obviously is very, very acute for him. Grizzlies still without Brandon Clark with the calf injury and also without DeAnthony Melton, still bothered by the shoulder injury that he suffered in the loss at New Orleans. So the Grizzlies uh, were very, very shorthanded against the Lakers. In fact, they only had nine healthy bodies uh, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Valanchunas, Allen, and Morant were the starting five. Tillman, Jones, Jang, and Concha are coming off the bench. The story of this game, outside of the fact that uh, you know the Lakers sleepwalked through the first 12 minutes and decided to get serious about this game in the third quarter, was the fact that Grayson Allen had a season-high 23 points, 8 of 13 from the floor, and 6 of 10 as he got the start. Of course, Grayson started the first four games of the year, uh, and Taylor Jenkins deciding to shuffle the deck a little bit. And then, of course, Grayson had some injury issues as well, uh, also health and safety protocols. So his his season has been uh, kind of scattershot from his ability to be on the floor. But when he's been on the floor, Grayson has been really fantastic and uh, 23 points to lead the Grizzlies in the loss uh, to the Lakers. Lakers now 21-6, and six, Grizzlies are 10-11. and 11. And as we record this, Grizzlies – in the state capital of California, getting ready to take on the Sacramento Kings. That game will be Sunday night. It'll be late uh, in the central time zone, of course. And uh, then the Grizzlies will come home, and then they will start, a, as I said, a four-game homestand. And it's going to start with New Orleans on Tuesday night in a nationally televised game on TNT. So no local TV, national exclusive to TNT. And on Wednesday, Oklahoma City is in. That is the game that was added because of all the COVID postponements. Grizzlies will then have uh, some time off before playing Detroit and Phoenix, and then they go on a one-game road trip to Dallas, and we're nearing the end of the first half of the NBA season and waiting on the release of the schedule of the second half. Thankfully, we haven't had any more postponements. 
So we'll see how all that plays out. But that was the week that was. Two games played since our last visit. Grizzlies go 1-1 one one with a victory over the Hornets, sweeping the season series. Meanwhile, the Grizzlies were swept by the Lakers three games to none in the season series this year, courtesy of Friday's 115-105 victory for the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, got a few Petey's points. Been thinking about this quite a bit. Um, there is some frustration, I think, with the Grizzlies, their inability to hold leads, finish out games, things like that, and it was certainly evident against the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, of course, look, Lakers are the world champions. They have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. Grizzlies don't have either of those guys. Um, started looking at the numbers a little bit, and right now Memphis's minutes, 70% of the minutes that are played by the Grizzlies are played by guys who are 25 and younger. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's merely an observation that you're dealing with players who haven't had a whole lot of NBA experience. And so one of the lessons that you learn as you go through the NBA is learning how to close out games, learning how to win games, understanding John Morant, all-star level talent. Still, there's a learning curve about closing out games, about what you do during winning time. And it, it it's not just Ja. I mean, look, Desmond Bain is a rookie. He'll get it. He'll understand it. I think the potential is there. But 70% of the minutes are being played by guys 25 years of age or younger, and half of Memphis's offense is coming from players 25 years or younger. So, the downside is they don't have the experience maybe that you would like them to have in order to close out games, deal with adversity, and things of that nature. So that, that's the downside. The upside is you're putting them in positions right now where they are going to learn. You're not having your rookies sit on the bench next to, next to the training staff. They are out there, and they're working their butts off, and they're trying to get you wins. So it's going to pay off somewhere down the line and in the not-too-distant future. So, you know, again, a little bit of frustration because things don't always go the, the way that you want. But, again, the Grizzlies playing a lot of young players, having to shuffle the deck because of injuries. So, look, 10 and 11, Grizzlies hanging around the top 10 spots, which, you know, 9 and 10 will also get you into a play-in scenario uh, with uh, the NBA playoffs, the way they're being structured this year. So, certainly, if you're the Grizzlies, you're still in the conversation. For making the postseason, Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't seen the floor. Justice Winslow hasn't seen the floor. Uh, Morant has missed time. Valanchunas has missed time. So, uh, you know, all things being equal, let's be realistic about all of this. The other thing about the Grizzlies that is interesting and intriguing is the fact that I just told you a few moments ago that Grayson Allen had a season-high 23 points in the loss at the Los Angeles Lakers. That made Grayson Allen the ninth different Grizzly to lead the team in scoring. And that includes tying for the team leadership in scoring. No surprise. That is the most number of players, nine, that have led their team in scoring at one point this season. San Antonio has had eight different leading scores. The Grizzlies, with Grayson Allen leading the way Friday night with 23, Grizzlies now have nine. That's again, there's there's good news and bad news with that. The good news is that you have a lot of guys, obviously, who can produce. The downside is, and I think this is one of the issues that the Grizzlies front office is going to have to address either internally or 
potentially externally by, by making a deal, you need a bucket getter. When you look at all the really successful teams in the NBA, you, they have a guy that you can throw him the ball, and there's a reasonable expectation that he's going he's gonna to get you a bucket. Kevin Durant, bucket getter. Kyrie Irving, bucket getter. James Harden, bucket getter. Talking about the Lakers, Anthony Davis, bucket getter. And, and to maybe a slightly lesser extent, LeBron James, also bucket getter. But the way that he passes right now, he can also uh, set up the bucket getter. The Grizzlies have some bucket getters in training, but they're not fully formed just yet. Uh, when you think about this roster, is there anyone that you can think of that, yep, I'm going to throw him the ball and I know we're going to get a hoop? Maybe Valanchunas. Um, ja can create his own, but... You know, other than that, right now there isn't that one go-to guy that the Grizzlies have identified and that has put up a consistent resume that you could say, yeah, the guy's a bucket getter. So either the Grizzlies need to uh, address this internally to get somebody uh, or to develop somebody into a bucket getter, or they're going to potentially have to make a deal. Because I think if you are going to be ultimately successful in the NBA, you have to have a bucket getter. Don't have a bucket getter, then it's it, it it's going to be a, a rough road for you. Uh, PD's point number three. Um, I'm not I'm I'm still not on board with the whole NBA All Star Game in Atlanta, and I know Kevin Durant and others have expressed um, concern about bringing players to Atlanta, and I know it will be a controlled situation, and I know that the NBA will take every precaution, but you know the bottom line to me is. Why do you want to put players and coaches and trainers and staff uh, and media, you know, why do you want to even run the risk of exposing them any further than they would need to be exposed? I suppose part of it is to maintain interest. Part of it is to reap some television revenue. And on one sense, I, I, I get it, but I'm still not convinced that it is, that is, that it is the wisest course of action. I know I've mentioned it before, but it's still on my mind, and it's clearly it's on the players' minds. And one of the things that you also have to look at too is what happens if you have players who are selected for the All Star Game, and they do have questions about safety and health and safety protocols, and they simply say, "I don't want to go." You could have an All Star Game where guys are not going to want to go, and then other guys are going to have to be brought in as replacements, and it's going to be last minute. And and I I just I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I really am, and I think some of the players are as well. So it remains to be seen how all that will play out. Final Petey's point for the program, pretty simple one. Uh, the flop by LeBron James drew a lot of uh, social media coverage uh, in the wake of Friday night's game where he flopped out on Dylan Brooks' foul. Um, you know, Brevin and I were, were critical of the call. Good to know that the league came out today and said that uh, – LeBron James had been warned for flopping, so at least we were right. Uh, we always like to be right when it comes to things like that. Look, LeBron, you're one of the greatest ever. Okay, You're in the conversation for GOAT in the NBA. You do not need to flop. You will get to the free throw line plenty. You got to the free throw line 14 times against the Grizzlies. You don't need to flop. You're bigger and stronger than everybody else. So just hold your ground, play your game, don't flop. It is not becoming of somebody who uh, we consider in the conversation for the greatest of all time. And that does it for this edition of PD's Points. And let's go to our friend of the program, Bob Thornton. 
had been an assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies after stints with the Chicago Bulls and the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was also an advanced scout for the Oklahoma City Thunder, also head coached in the CBA. After nine years in the NBA for five different teams, originally drafted by the New York Knicks. Well-known around the NBA for getting big men to improve their play. Worked with Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul. Also worked with Marvin Bagley in Sacramento, among many, many others throughout the years. And uh, he had been out of the NBA. He had last coached with the Sacramento Kings under Dave Yeager. When Dave Yeager was let go, the staff was let go as well. Uh, Bob was looking for a job, and he was helping out Mike Miller at Houston High School here in Memphis. And uh, so I decided, you know, look, you, you, you watch the Grizzlies very, very closely in the rest of the league. I figured, okay, I'll give Bob a text and see if he wants to chat on the podcast. And so I get the text back, and he says, well, you know, I'm quarantining in Melbourne. But it's not Melbourne, Florida. It's Melbourne, Australia. An intriguing story and a fun visit with today's friend of the program, Bob Thornton. All right, so Bob, uh, last time that uh, that we talked, you were helping Mike Miller at Houston High School and uh, looking for a coaching gig. And the next thing I know, I text you, and you're in Melbourne, Australia. How did that happen? Uh, a good friend of mine, Trevor Gleason, who's the head coach of the Perth Wildcats, uh, gave me a call and said that if I'm not doing anything, I need you over here ASAP to be my lead assistant. So. I had a conversation with Mike because we had a, a really good uh, team at Houston, uh, one of the top teams in the state and in the country. So uh, he was he was good with it. And so I called Trevor back and said, OK, I'm on my way. Now I'm stuck in a hotel. <laughs> now, now, you've been quarantining for, what, 11 days? How long do you have to quarantine before they actually let you uh, into the gym? So I get 14 days in Melbourne, and then there's a – the MBL Cup, which is all nine teams in Melbourne playing round robin tournament for the month of March. So the team is already here. We played last night and uh, won. So I follow them online. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to get out of here. I get out Tuesday. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> you, you, you can't wait to get out and get back in the gym. Um, we hear so much about the NBL in Australia. A lot of good players have come out of there. Who are some of the names that American basketball fans might recognize in the NBL right now? Uh, well, a, a guy that actually played for us in the Grizzlies while what we was there is the reigning MVP, Bryce Cotton. Okay. So he is, he is a, a tremendous talent and one of the, well, he is the top guard over here and just, a scoring machine. He's playing very, very well. Um, you know, there's some kids we had in Sacramento, Cam Oliver, who was a fringe NBA player, played in the D League, uh, is playing for Cans. Uh, Scott Machado, you might remember mm -hmm. that name. These are yep. all guys that are, you know, a little bit undersized, but very athletic and very capable basketball players. So there's a lot of good talent over here. You've had the opportunity to uh, watch the Grizzlies. I know you follow them on League Pass, uh, even halfway around the world. Uh, what what have you seen from the Grizzlies? Because I know you always look at them with an interested eye. Well, I tell you, it it they're they've done a wonderful job building this team, and I would love to see them at full strength, especially with the talent that they have. Um, but what I think Coach Jenkins has done a wonderful job 
with these kids and they're actually playing hard every time. John Romant is a superstar. I can't wait to see Jaron come back and play with this group. You know, I think Dylan Brooks has really matured. Uh, his, his decision-making is much better than last year, I think, you know, so the more they keep growing as a team, I think they're going to fight their way in for that last spot. We think that Taylor Jenkins is doing a good job. We see things as broadcasters and people see things as fans. As a fellow coach, what do you see in Taylor Jenkins that is helping him get success with this team? Well, I think he's teaching them, you know, and you know, there's, there's a big difference between, you know, telling guys what to do and teaching them. He's brought his philosophy. He has stuck with it. And this team has grown under his tutelage to be what they are today. And I think each year in each uh, team, they take that system and are starting to now react and not think. You know, so they're, they're finding ways to score out of it, which he knew they would always do. But now the players are starting to see it and just feel it. Is that the biggest change in coaching? Because, I mean, you've been around the NBA for like, like 25 years as a player and as a coach. And there were coaches that it was my way or the highway and I'm going to tell you what to do. And now your head coach has to be not only a tactician, but he's got to be an excellent communicator. Is, is that the biggest change in, in coaching in the NBA? Oh, no question. I mean, you know, you look at anything, business, um, any situation where a group of people are working together, the key is communication. If you don't have that, you're basically all on your own page doing your own thing. So I think he's done a wonderful job with these guys. And you can tell because results are on the floor. You might not always get the win, but the growth, you know, the ball movement, the ability to read each other without speaking and play, you can see it. The other thing I want to ask you about, because it seems that the, the role of the big man has evolved quite a bit where everybody's shooting threes. Gorgie Jang is leading the league in three-point shooting. Um, how do you feel about that? Because, I mean, you, you, you were a banger. You were a bruiser at that power forward position. How do you, how do you feel about the way the game has evolved? Well, it, everything has changed. You know, at, do I – do I long for those days where we back to the basket, watch post moves and guys go one-on-one? Of course, because it's, it's fun. It's a matchup. It's, it's something that's, that's a highly skilled, learned skill. So, but I like the fast pace. I like pace and space. I played that in college. So <clears throat> I think we're not learning and adapting and teaching kids how to play within this system to do multiple things then you're not learning and you're not growing as a coach. So for me, what was huge was actually coaching the kids at Houston high school and learning how to communicate with them on a whole new level, because you're used to dealing with kids and men that have been around the game their whole lives. Well, now you're getting them at the complete opposite is made be a better cute coach and better communicator. So I think it's a fun game to watch. You know, I, I'm not always enthralled with so many threes, but hey, it's good for the fans and get it done. Is there is that a similar style that you that you see in the NBA of NBL? Are they trying to play an NBA type of game with with a lot of pace and space and stretch fours and fives? Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, 
pace and space here, especially because, you know, guys aren't as uh, tall at those positions, at the bigger positions. So you have more of a guards type league, but the pace is very quick and very fast. Uh, you have a lot of uh, multiple screening actions, a lot of flex actions into a lot of motion basket cuts, you know, it's, so it has a blend of the NBA and the European feel. So it, it's a great high level basketball. Uh, Grizzlies will see the, uh, have seen the Sacramento Kings by the time this actually uh, gets up, but I just wanted to talk to you because you did coach in Sacramento for a couple of years, the development of De'Aaron Fox gone from being simply a speed guy to a more complete basketball player. What do you see when you watch their games? Oh, De'Aaron's high-level talent. He's going to be a multiple all-star for years to come. Uh, he came in with a very high basketball IQ. I love the fact that he's developed his body. You know, he's gotten stronger. He's he's now more of a leader on the court. Um, his, his speed and his ability to get to the basket, especially in the open court, is a huge asset. You know, you play, you hit that paint and you spray to open threes, that's going to be a problem for everybody. So um, I think he's a kid that, that the sky's the limit. You know, hopefully he stays healthy and, uh, you know, Sacramento is playing better and I'm happy for him. Marvin Bagley is a guy that you had an opportunity to work with and, and sometimes maybe got an unfair rap, wasn't always healthy all the time, maybe too much was expected of him. Uh, what's, what's your take on Marvin Bagley and where he is right now? Well, I, I love Marvin's game, you know, uh, it, so he has the ability to play inside and outside. So, which is a rare commodity given how we play nowadays, but he can handle the ball. And I think he used in the, in the right way, he could be a major threat. You know, I think it's a little unfair how he's been treated because the kid is a high level talent, but he, he's also very young. And it takes longer. It's a proven fact. It takes bigs longer to adjust to this league than it does for guards. So I think give him a chance. He's going to be there. He's a hell of a rebounder. He can score inside. He's got a multiple threat going both ways. So he's going to be just fine. You describe yourself as a coaching jack of all trades, yet you specialize in big man play, which, which is understandable. When a a relatively raw big man is brought to you. What's the process of working one-on-one -on -one with that player to get the most out of him? Well, I think the, the first thing that we need to work with, especially offensively, is you have to have two moves. You have to have a, your go-to move and a counter. Traditionally, in the old school basketball, if you had two moves and one other counter, you're fine because you can score. You know, you can get to the foul line, you can make things happen. But now you have to be able to play on the perimeter, make plays like a point guard does, be able to handle the ball, you know, be able to read plays and direct traffic. So it's what I did with Marvin and Harry mostly was watch a ton of tape, you know, decision making. Look at how fast this game is coming. You're not necessarily making the wrong decision. That decision is coming too late. You need to anticipate you need to see so it's all about visuals and learning how fast this game is and how to anticipate and then you can break it down you know they're they're going to play basketball they've been playing their whole lives so 
if they have the ability to get to the league, they can score already in some capacity. Now it's just about making better decisions, making them faster, and anticipating seeing things before they happen. We're visiting with Bob Thornton, former assistant coach at multiple stops in the NBA, former advanced scout for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We remember him fondly here in Memphis as part of Dave Yeager's staff and now coaching in Australia. Um, Brevin and I always compliment the guys that have been in college for multiple years, whether it's three or four, that they're more NBA ready as opposed to a one and done. Do you, do you find that as well? Are, are, are we, are we on the right track when we, uh, when we champion the, the four-year guy? Oh, no question. Because, and it's not necessarily have to do with talent, you know, even it's about maturity. It's about your experience. You have played in multiple high level games. So you're seeing, sorry about that. You're seeing the game faster and you're able to adjust and read situations where a younger kid coming one year of college doesn't have that. He has the ability. They all have the ability. Now, what can we do to take that ability to the next level and make you see what's happening? I want to talk about another period of your career when you were an advanced scout and you guys are really the road warriors of the NBA because you're not flying on the charter. You're flying commercial, you're renting cars all the time and watching games all over the place. So when you were an advanced scout for Oklahoma city, just give me a sense of, of what your weekly schedule might be and what you would actually do. <laughs> I was in the airport every day. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah. That too. <laughs> I had, I had one stretch. I think the longest stretch I ever had on the road was 60 straight days and averaging three to four games a week. And it, it's, you know, it's depending on what the team needs and what your job is. Cause I was doing not only scouting the team, the next opponent, but I was also writing personnel reports, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a lot involved in it, but yeah, you're, you're, you get ready for the game you have that night. Your job doesn't start until 1030 at night when you get back in the hotel and write it up. Then you watch the game again to see anything that you've missed. And when I started doing it, you, could, you couldn't do everything by Zoom and computer. You had to fax it in. So <laughs> those 20, those 24-hour FedEx stops were huge you know, to, to get it to the team. Um, it's a lot of work for a young, for a young coach who wants to get in this league and be successful. It's the perfect avenue to number one, learn personnel, learn coaches, see how the, see how each coach is teaching their team how to play, learning ATOs. I mean, you learn everything. I learned so much from doing that job. It was invaluable to me. But it's tough. It's it. I ain't gonna lie. You're on the road a lot. Yeah, you probably wake up in the morning and you're not sure what city you're even in. But but I mean, you're pro you're trying to diagram plays, get the calls, and then yeah. watch the game back on video. Which back when when you were doing it back in the day, I mean, what did you have to carry like a, a VCR with you or something? Or how did how well, did you uh, replay the game? They didn't, they didn't have that technology. So when I first started you got what you got and then you called around your network of friends. Hey, 
did you get that call? You know, the guys at the table, if you had a good relationship, hey, did you get that? I'm sorry, you know, I'm going to help you down the road. So you you trade, you cannot do this job without trading information. It's impossible. It really is. Because there's, you know, the, the only thing the bench coaches are worried about is the call. You know, what is the call of that play? So it's tough. It is you learn, I had, you know, you learn how to read lips. You, you're watching the point guard, the head coach, anybody. Hopefully the, the defending team guard yells it out. That helps you even more. So, you know, and I tell you, I, I got one funny story. I was, I was going to see Denver play <clears throat> and it was probably in the middle of my two week trip. So I landed, never get to the hotel. And usually you can see other scouts in the lobby when you check in. I'm like, nobody's here. <laughs> this is really <laughs> weird. <laughs> and I'm like, so I get back up in the room. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to check the schedule to see that I'm in the right place. <laughs> and, and sure enough, Denver's on the road and, and I'm in the wrong city. So I have to, I have to go to a sports bar and scout the game off TV. It's it's not which is not a bad thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not unheard of. Uh, so many people here in Memphis, uh, rightfully, are very fond of Jason March, who's coaching the Memphis Hustle right now in, in the Orlando yes. bubble. He was he was a young coach who did a lot of that road warrior work. Uh, we think Jason March has has the chops eventually to be an NBA head coach. What did you see in him when when you Absolutely. worked with him? I, I, Jason is one of the hardest working guys I've ever been around. He is always prepared. Obviously, what he's done with the uh, hustle is fantastic. I, I'm, I've told him year after year after year, you're going to be a head coach in this league. You, you know, stick with it. Your chance is going to come. Um, he's one of the best young talents that I've seen. And you guys are very lucky to have him. We, uh, we are very lucky to have him. Great coach and a great person as well. Um, final thing for you, Bob, you really fell in love in, with Memphis when you were here. What, what are your, some of your fondest memories of, of being in Memphis with the Grizzlies? Oh, I, I love that. I love Memphis. It's, it's dear to my heart. Um, the fans, you know, the love that comes from everyone around the city. And I'll never forget those playoff runs that we had and just walking outside and seeing everybody walking around Beale street and, you know, in those afternoon games, just having a good time, but you know, the Oak city and LA Clipper series, unforgettable. You know, I, I still say if Mike hadn't got hurt, we are in the finals that year. Um, so a lot of fond memories and, and I always look forward to being in Memphis. I hope you enjoyed our visit with Bob Thornton. That was a lot of fun. Great to get caught up with him. Had no idea he was in Australia until he answered my text. So, Bob, Thornton is today's friend of the program. Today's show has been brought to you by the Youth Athletic Foundation. Its mission is to assist student-athletes developing a strong work ethic through discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Their goal, to help youngsters understand the importance of working hard and to be the best they can be on the court, in the classroom, and in the community. The YAF has donated millions of dollars to charities, families, local high schools, and youth sports programs. And when they come looking for your support, check them out. They've got a golf tournament and other great events coming up, and uh, you can find out all about that and take part. That does it for this edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. 